This is Going Boldly, the podcast. Here's your host, Russ the Big Guy. Welcome, listeners. This is Russ the Big Guy, and we're back with another exciting episode. Brenna's on the road today. She's not in the studio, so it's just me. Uh, I have to make sure that I did remember to press record and I have everything plugged in correctly because she watches over my shoulder and makes sure that my creative brain doesn't mess something up or you know, decide to do something differently just for today for fun. But we are looks like looks like we're all good. Everything is connected and operating properly. I'm excited to say that I have a guest today, Mitch Russo, and he oh my gosh. I'm just gonna introduce him and then we're gonna talk about everything. Cause guys uh and uh, guys gals and everybody, um you're not gonna believe the stuff that Mitch has done and is doing. Welcome, Mitch. Thank you, Russ. It's great to be here with you. Thanks a lot. I really appreciate you. Uh, you are. I know you're a busy guy. Uh, I understand. Maybe, maybe you know, um, you're down south in Florida now, so you're taking it a little bit easier than you did over the past several decades. But absolutely, let me, let me, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, we finally have some nice weather up here in uh, the southern tier of New York State, but you know, winters are what they are. Uh, and we're happy to see them go for us who aren't really excited about being outside in the cold, which is me. Uh, <laughs> I just wanted to mention, like, so our listeners can kind of get a little peek at you. You have an amazing assortment of products and services available, and I just want to mention a few of them. Uh, and jump right in if, uh, you know, briefly you want to correct me or fill in the, the gaps a little bit. But you have the uh, client folio. Yeah, it's called client folio, but it's the, the IO at the end of yeah. folio is the extension to the, you know, it's like a like a dot com URL. It's yeah. clientfol.io. Right. Give me a one sentence uh, explanation of what that is. It is a coach practice management system that I have invented because nothing would satisfy my needs in, uh, in accelerating the administrative portion of the work I do with clients. I love it. And I'm going to talk to you more about that off, off the air here. 37 okay. surefire tips for growing your business. And that is your lead mag. One of your, one of, I'm guessing one of many lead magnets. Yes. Beautiful. Power tribes. It's a book. Yes. The invisible it's also a program. And it's a pro what, uh, one sentence on the program. Yeah. I build uh, high value certification based tribes for my clients that create multiple streams of recurring revenue. The invisible organization, a book, it's a book, another book. Yep. Mm -hmm. Do you have a program that goes with that one? Well, actually I, I have consulting clients that I work with or I did work with. It hasn't come up recently uh, because a lot of people pretty much know how to go virtual, but the book is all about becoming invisible and creating a virtual organization. Understand. ProfitStackingSecrets.com. That is one of my favorite and my newest lead magnet for anybody who wants to grow their their PR, wants more visibility and potentially more sales. Okay. Your first 1,000 clients podcast. Yeah, your that, is, that is one of my two podcasts, and uh, it's the one I started with, uh, and I, I was... Um, I started that back in, I think it was 2017, uh, and it's now over almost 250 live interviews, and I've done over 300 interviews for that show, and it's my one of my favorite things to do, Russ, is I'm sure you love your show as well. Oh, my gosh. Mitch, I'm telling you, um, what a surprise this podcast has been for me. 
Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned to you before, but I started uh, a sort of a video podcast. I don't know what to call it, vodcast, videocast, whatever, um, with a um, earlier, a couple of years ago, I guess it was. And we did. I did it twice, two different names, different partners. Um, one had amazing energy. The other one had a lot of potential. But, mm-hmm. gosh, it was a bottleneck in post-production, getting the things edited and posted promptly and everything. It just... They, they both, I just ran into a wall with both of them, whether I did it myself, I had volunteers, or if I paid for somebody to do it. It just, I don't know, I guess it just wasn't meant to be. So um, this particular podcast is a result really of the pandemic and having some space that uh, was no longer usable. And I thought, well, what mm. am I going to, you know, what could, again, being resourceful, one of the things entrepreneurs are great at, um, you know, what can I, how can I make uh, lemonade out of these lem- this lemon? And I mm-hmm. said, you know what? Let's let's do the podcast and let's make it simple. So that's why I just do audio. And uh, so far, it's gone pretty well. We get to meet amazing people, and I love it. <laughs> and I yeah. like it a lot more than I thought I would. It's been a lot yeah. of fun. Yeah. All right, back to you, yeah. Mitch. Uh, let's see, where are we? Wait, you said two podcasts. What's the second one? It's called the Tribe Builders, oh. and it's going to be released next week. So there's already 20 plus shows in the can. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, the goal of the show is to connect with people who build communities mm. and to unpack their expertise to help my listeners create their own tribe, their own community. Okay. I didn't know about that one. And now I know why. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. Now here's something that maybe, uh, and I know that you've done, I think you said hundreds of podcasts as a guest. Mm-hmm. Do any of them know that you're a photographer? Very few. All right. Well, I think yep. we're going to talk about that because that's interesting, and that's how people can get to know you a little more personally. Um, sure. All right. Let's see. Rock band CEO. That was me. I was in a rock band. It was the only way I could figure out how to pick up girls. So yeah. I. I, well. <laughs> I, I what can I say? <laughs> well, um, in junior high school, I joined uh, the only theater club that we had uh, just for that reason. <laughs> And also the benefits of being a, a DJ in uh, bars and bars and nightclubs and you know, dance clubs. Uh, so kind of like uh, it's kind of like being the singer in a band, you know. Yep. But I did listen to something, and it was you talking about seven lessons that you learned. Probably didn't realize at the time that you were learning it. Great lessons for a CEO or for a, an entrepreneur. Things that you learned yep. from being in the rock band, and I and I think we're going to talk about that too. All right, so one of the amazing things about Mitch is, is um, he's that guy that started in the garage. Let's go back there, Mitch. So our listeners are aspiring entrepreneurs, and they are also small business owners. They are looking for tangible tips and techniques. They're looking for things they can put right into practice, right, that are going to have mm-hmm. some definite uh, impact and positive impact. But they're also looking for those stories, that inspiration. And very often, as you know, as well, maybe not anymore because you, you're so deep in the trenches, but, uh, you know, there is that imposter syndrome. There is that doubt that creeps in. I think for everybody at some point, or another, and maybe for some of us often, especially for some newer people, maybe, especially if they started a new project. With that in mind, let's go back to that garage. Talk a little bit about your story arc. Well, what happened to me basically is that I had, um, well, I'm going to take the story back a a little further than that. Yeah, Uh, sure. uh, When I was 14 years old, my parents divorced and it was a very nasty divorce. 
And my dad um, basically was gone. And my mom uh, had to support the house and us kids. And she was struggling. I mean, she just, you know, you know how the story of how kids sneak money out of their mom's pocketbook. Yeah. We, my sister and I were sneaking money into her pocketbook because she was too proud to take money from her little kids. But we both, we both had, you know, paper routes and things we were doing. So we were making money and putting money into her pocketbook to help her best that we could, you know, it wasn't a lot, but it was sure. the best we could do. Yeah. So one of the things that happened unconsciously, my sister and I made a decision and the decision we made is we will never be in the position that my mom is in, meaning either I'm going to get a great education or I'm going to find a way to build a, a wealth in a way that, that, you know, I control as opposed to a job. Uh, well, my sister became a Supreme court judge in the state of New York uh, for the family court in New York. And, and I basically have been inspired by my own dad to build a business. And, and that's basically what took me to the point where I was open to and looking for business opportunities. I had made a decision. I was working at the time. Uh, I was doing quite well. I was a salesman. I was selling semiconductors. Are you still in Brooklyn? Is I it was Brooklyn? still in Brooklyn. Yeah, okay. I was in Massachusetts at the time. Okay. Okay. So I had already moved to Massachusetts mm. and, and um, I was working for a semiconductor company as a, as a field sales engineer, if you will. And what I noticed was that, um, and, and I, you know, I, I then transitioned from there to sales because I realized the salespeople were making a whole lot more money than I was as an engineer. So now I'm a salesman, but I'm realizing again that I'm not in control of my destiny. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yes. I'm making great money, but the market's going to tank because it's a cyclical market. And then what do I do next? So I'd been on the hunt and I had this idea and I had five ideas. I'm not going to get into all five, although some of them are pretty funny. Uh, but I had this one idea uh, that I didn't even realize was an idea. I just met with my new next door neighbor for breakfast and we just started talking about our lives. And I said to him, look, I'm having some trouble keeping track of the things I'm doing. And I'm, I just bought a personal computer, you know, and it's that new thing from IBM. It's a PC and I'm trying to use DBase 2 to create a database so I can, you know, basically have a form that I can fill out every time I give out samples of, of our products, et cetera. He started telling me what an incredible life he's had as a software developer. And the next thing I know, we have this long conversation. Uh, and part of the conversation was that, you know, um, I got this fancy new computer, but my accountant says I can't deduct it from my income tax return because it's considered a toy by the oh. IRS. <laughs> oh my goodness. No kidding. Yeah. So I said to my accountant, well, would that, that can't be right. How can I find a way to deduct it? He goes, if you can keep contemporaneous records of its usage, then you can deduct it. I said, yeah. great, I'll do that. And now the question was, where do I find the software that does that? And obviously it didn't exist. So I brought that to my partner and I told him, hey, I got this idea, blah, blah, blah. Well, he went and built it on his own six weeks later and showed it to me uh, working on, a, uh, on an Apple II in his little office right next door to me. So I said to him the words that changed both of our lives. I said, hey, you know, if you could translate this to the PC, I think we could sell a couple of those. Yeah. And then we had more and more talks about, you know, look, would you like to start a business? Uh, and he goes, 
well, yeah, I'd love to start a business. I said, well, I think this is a good business to start. And he goes, yeah, me too. I said, well, this is a very simple division of labor. You're the technical guy and I'll do everything else. I'll run the company, build it, sell it, PR, you know, I'll do all the stuff I have to do. And he said, great, that's great. Cause I don't know how to do all the other things. <laughs> and so, and so we entered into this agreement. We put $5,000 each into a bank account and, um, we uh, we got started and we were still both working at the time. So we were, we were working half days at the time, which meant eight hours at our job, four hours at our passion. That's 12 hours, half day of work every, every single, uh, every single day, basically. And um, uh, eventually we got to the point where we had a product and then we wrote the documentation and we, you know, we made sure that it was, accurate. Then we did testing, we made sure the product worked. And then at that point, uh, we both agreed that come Monday morning, we're going to quit our jobs. So, uh, and I always come Friday yeah. morning, we're going to quit our jobs. You always want to quit on a Friday. Yeah. So <laughs> make sure you get paid for the previous right. week. Let, right. me, let, so me, I go, let me ask you something real quick. Sure. All right. Because I, this is, you're at a point where I was at, um, and similarly, and I had, when they, you know, when they say that you have pain in your gut or you yeah. have that anxiety, I mean, I had physical pain, like almost doubled up when I made a career switch, right? Mm -hmm. When I made a decision, what was your sense at the time or your reaction to it or your feelings? You made well, like, because you make the decision, right? So that's a, that's not a small thing to quit your job. You're doing this thing. You're excited, I imagine. Well, there there was a dark side to this job. Um, the dark side to this job was that the man who hired me didn't realize I was Jewish. Mm. So my name, Mitch Russo, mm -hmm. um, sounds Italian to many people. Yeah. But the first name, Mitch or Mitchell, would have been a dead giveaway if he would have realized it, because no Italian would generally name their son Mitchell. They'd name them Michael. Yeah. Uh, and my mom wanted to name me Michael, but then she says, well, that's too Italian. So she named me Mitchell. But here's the thing. I was basically tied into this group. It was sort of a prejudiced group. I mean, they, oh, they, 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 there was there were definite signs of anti-Semitism. And um, and I wasn't going to let them chase me out of my job. By the sure. Way. I mean, yeah, uh, I didn't you know, they weren't physically torturing me. And, you know, back then, you know, sticks and stones, uh, et cetera, you know, could break my bones. But. Words can never harm me. That was how I lived, you know. So I said, "Well, yeah, you know of course, what?" But you're with a group. Uh, you're with a group of people who you know don't respect you, whether well, they whether they showed it or not. Right. They they did not like me, oh. but they did respect me, and oh. that was that, yeah because I was really good at what I did. Okay. I mean, I was okay. like the best in the country at what I did. I see. And so at the time, I was doing well and making good money, but I realized that there was this overshadow of anti-Semitism which was very uncomfortable for me. And then there was uh, another element of it is that we're in a cyclical business. So I realized at some point the semiconductor business is going to take a downturn. And I was trying to be prepared for that by starting a new company one way or the other. As the story continues, we finally, after spending five, six months in development and getting everything ready, we went in on Friday, we both quit our jobs. And the following Monday, here we are, the two of us are sitting in the room above my garage. And I said, okay, uh, this is our new company. Uh, uh, I, I, have a good day. Uh, I'll, I'll talk to you later. You know, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't even know where to start. <laughs> but then the phone rings and it's my accountant. 
And he goes, Mitch, I have a little bad news for you. I said, what's that? He goes, well, you know, that thing I was telling you about, the contemporaneous record thing I was telling you about? I said, yeah. He goes, ah, I know you did something or you're planning on doing something with software. He said, don't do that. I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, the IRS just completely relaxed their rulings on that. You don't need that anymore. And that was when my oh. jaw hit the floor. Oh. And, I, and so yeah. now I realized we had just completed a product that had absolutely no value. Oh, my gosh. So, so you went into we, this new business really optimistic. And it, as opposed to being uh, a gut-wrenching thing, it was going to be a relief for you because you're you're leaving the anti-Semitic uh, um, organization and you're going someplace to be free and do your thing right. with, with a new product that's going to address you know the ills of all these uh, small business owners only to find out now they probably don't need what you have. Correct. Oh, my goodness. So my partner and I, we thrashed and crashed and cursed and screamed and yelled and uh, not at each other, but just in frustration. Uh, we, and in a matter of three hours, we had decided that we had just built something that is so cool. We got to find a way to use it. So there's got to be another use. I love it. I love it. Three hour window. <laughs> three hours. Oh my God. I love it, Mitch. It's amazing. Yeah. So, so it's well, a, we'll that's an entrepreneur at heart. Three well, hours look, to get it out. And then we're like, all right, we're doing this. We, we really, in a sense, didn't have a choice. I mean, yeah. we had burned well, the boats. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I know, but like you could have given up. A lot of people would, if you know, if you're not a true entrepreneur, that's the end. Yeah. Right? And you're maybe. on, and you're, I, on I, you're back to work somewhere else or whatever. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I think you're. I think there's a. You're making a good point here, Russ. Uh, but our our belief was that what we had done was so cool that yeah. other people would want it if we could figure out how to repurpose it. So we we brainstormed on different ways. Other people. I so, said. So the question really was, who else? Yes. Needs to keep track of time. Yeah. And that was the question that broke us open for brainstorming. And we said, well, there's lawyers, there's accountants, there's there's architects, there's the, the consultants, there's coaches, there's this, there's that although there really were no coaches back then. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so yeah. what we had come up with is that the thing that we're missing is we're missing a billing system. And to me, that seemed like a very big deal. And then my partner said, that's no problem. I said, what do you mean? Oh. He goes, well, I already wrote a billing system for hairdressers. It can't be that much different. <laughs> Legal oh billing can't, right? can't be that much different from hairdresser billing. And I thought to myself, ooh, I'm not so sure of that. Um, but okay. And so what I did to help him is I went to Boston University's library, public library. Well, they, have a, they have a library for students. <clears throat> and I looked up legal billing software. And I there were some manuals from the software that had been written in Fortran and COBOL from years ago. But the billing formats and the the data that they tracked were all inside those manuals. Wow. So I borrowed those and I brought them home and I gave them to Neil and I said, look, let's, let's just mimic some of these billing formats. And, uh, you know, we have to add some more features to the time tracking part, but you know, for the most part, this is what we have to produce. And then, uh, I was a big fan of CompuServe back then. That would be for people who don't know what CompuServe is. Rush, I assume you do, right? Um, kind of. It's a, uh, yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. It's, that's old. <laughs> it's old. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, it was like a hobbyist bulletin board yes. uh, for, for special interest groups. And, and it was all text and it was all like chat rooms. And so I would go into the 
the SIG, Special Interest Group for Lawyers, and I'd say, hey, uh, we're you know, in the process of creating this thing for lawyers. Does anybody here want to beta test our little software program? What we had discovered was that there was a very enthusiastic group of lawyers who liked computers. Now, let me, let me set the scene for you. It's 1984. Uh, keyboards were considered, quote unquote, women's work oh, to yeah. lawyers back then. I bet. The, right? So the billing function was in the back office, not the front office, not where the lawyers were. And so there was this, but there was this young group of enthusiastic lawyers who had embraced the idea of having a PC on their desk and doing their own research and writing their own briefs. And those were our customers. Wow. And when they found out what we were doing, they got all excited and everybody volunteered to help us. And so we were sending out disks every day, uh, trying to basically test drive our, our system best that we could. And, you know, these people were incredible. They, they got so excited about everything we were doing. They helped us create the feature set for that first release. Isn't that amazing? And you and your partner must have just felt just wonderful. I mean, there, there you are, your back's to the wall. What are you going to do? You come up with an idea. You do the research. You get it out there, beta test, and, the, and people are excited about it. I mean, yeah. that's like every entrepreneur's dream is like, is your product or, you know, your passion is being widely accepted uh, yeah. enthusiastically accepted. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what ended up happening for us, uh, was that we then rewrote the manual, redesigned the system, repackaged everything. And it took us about four additional months because mm. really we had nothing else to do. <laughs> we had both quit our jobs. Yeah. So, you know, this was our job now, now to be fair, because I don't want to make it sound like I had some magic pill or I was some kind of a genius. I was really, this is my first real business. I was, you know, I was only in my twenties and I, um, I really didn't know anything at all about the, the legal profession. I hardly knew enough about the software profession. Um, so, but what we did know is that we knew that there were people that we could ask questions and get answers. So I started at that point um, trying to identify where our markets were. And so we had set aside uh, a, some additional money for, advertising. And so we were so excited to run our first ads. We spent $10,000 or I think it was $6,000 in PC magazine. And we ran our first ads hoping that we would sell more than $6,000 worth of software. Wow, that's pretty brave. Well, you know what? It was sort of like you, you need to just basically, instead of dipping a toe in the water, you yeah. need to just jump in. Yeah. And so that's what we did. And we got five orders for $99 each from those $6,000 worth of ads. And again, bad news, yeah. but there is a silver lining here. Uh, about four weeks after the ads run, we're almost out of money. Uh, we have a trade show that we signed up for that we don't know how to pay for, um, how to get there even. So the, the mailman comes and drops off a thick envelope in my, in my mailbox. And inside that envelope are 500 bingo leads. 
Now, I want to explain what a bingo lead is because most listeners probably won't know. In the old days, when you'd read a magazine, there'd be a tiny little number at the corner of the page. And the idea is, is that you go through the magazine and you read the ads and you circle that number yep. on a postcard that's stuck in the magazine. Oh, yeah. So now I can get information from more than one advertiser with just one postcard. Well, 500 people had circled the number on our ad and the salesman who had felt bad enough for making us spend all of that money and not getting any results told us in advance that it was coming. And I said to him, what am I supposed to do with this? He goes, I don't know. Frankly, they're kind of useless, Ouch. but I didn't have any choice. I didn't have any options. So I picked up the phone and I called every one of them. Yeah. hundred, hundred bucks a piece. There's your money. Well, what I did is I, I started out by saying, I noticed that you, you circled the number and they go, 